the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus is our bread from heaven. Now that is a fact. He is the sustenance that we need for eternal life. We'll talk about that today here on Truth For Today. It is so easy to get wrapped up in this program or that formula for a successful church. At the end of the day, as we'll see next here on Truth For Today, it's all about Jesus. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We're in John chapter 6, the Life Changer Studies in John. We're looking at Jesus as our own bread of heaven and why it is so necessary. We begin our time together today reminded of this one simple fact. We don't need facelifts. We don't need a facade change. We need Christ. With more, here's Pastor Phil. One time I I got uh, to one of our men, we were talking about our facilities and some of the things we need to do, and uh, it's kind of, and we need to clean this up and that. And uh, and one of the men said, Well, man, we've got to do something about the front. Uh, We just don't have curb appeal. You don't have curb appeal. Did, what, what chapter in Acts was that? <laughs> what, what church girl, what have you been smoking lately? I said, I said, curb appeal. We started in a dingy dance hall. And we sprayed it to knock all the vodka and the Jack Daniels odor from the fight on Monday night because they had dances on Saturday night. We met on Sunday and we take beer cans off the exit sign. And, and, and our kids met on dirt floor with a Phil Ross and them in the back. And they had a bar back there. And they taught our kids there. And our evening prayer meeting with the men was at the bar. We'd just go up to the bar and pray together. <laughs> we did. It's the best prayer meetings we had. More guys showed up. Man, serve them up. No, we're praying. Oh, okay. That dingy. I mean, come on, the Rio Theater. Anybody remember? I do. Curb appeal. Curb appeal. How about Christ appeal? Christ is what satisfies. We'll meet anywhere, any place, tent, hot, cold. God's people meet because we're getting to the meal and the facilities don't matter. This is the nicest thing we've ever had. But friend, if, if Christ isn't on the menu, I'm moving out. I'm going to a tent. I'm going to a field. I'm going where he's on the menu. I want Christ. I want Christ. And I want to tell you, that's the only reason I'm in the Bay Area. I'm trying to tell this hell-destined generation, there is a meal. If I can get you to the table, if you could ever get a taste of this wonderful Savior, He will satisfy you. He'll fulfill you. He'll forgive you. He'll give you eternal life. It's from Christ. Christ alone we preach. No other. We don't need a doctor up Jesus. He's plenty good. 
He's more than you can ever want. I'm getting in the mood to preach. You hold on with me. I'm getting in the mood. That was, I took too much medicine. I preached in my sleep in the first service, but it's wearing off. It satisfies. And I love what he says in verse 47. Notice what he says. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes will in the future get... Now, you don't know the Greek, so I can't hold you accountable. It's a present. Has eternal life right now. Aren't you glad you get it now? You don't have to die to see if you get it. You get it now. It's not add up all the points. Because if that was necessary, none of us would get it. It's a gift. You get it immediately. You know, it's torture. The way we used to do Christmas. Especially me being the baby in an abused home. With my brothers and sisters. You know, we got a gift for you and torture you. Uh, You might get it, hiding it and all this stuff. He didn't do this with eternal life. I'm offering it. Come get it. You can have it right now. You don't have to wait. Right now. You can have it. He says, come. Verse 54. He says, come. You can have the feast now. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. In in verse 50, 51, he said, if you eat, you will never die. Maybe Jesus stuttered there, you think? No. No, no. No, he speaks. He does not stutter. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give, I give for the life of the world. He says in, uh, I want to lay my hands over. He says, you actually won't even die. Uh, which one is it? Uh, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Now, now where else can you get bread like this? And, and now, you've got to explain death. There's three forms of death in the Bible. Physical death, okay, spiritual death, separation from God. And then he calls second death in Revelation 20, 15, that when he casts people into outer darkness or into the lake of fire, this is the second death, he calls it which is really spiritual death made irrevocable. That it's permanently shut off from God. We were all born spiritually dead towards God. We we did not have his life in us. See, God is not everybody's father. Oh, the fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of men. Jesus says in John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil. So the devil's got a family too. And we're not talking about your mother-in-law. We're talking about uh, the devil's got a family. And you were born in it. And I was born in it. We were by nature children of wrath, Ephesians 2, 3. By nature I was a child of wrath. And I was an object of divine wrath, John three thirty-six. I was abiding beneath the wrath of God. And then physical death started from the time we were born. And... Uh, See, by the time you get my age, you seldom need mirrors. You just take it by faith that you're still handsome. Because because gravity has a way of making you look like Willie Nelson. You know, 
the, the road looks like your face. You're on the road again, is right. Yeah, yeah, it's your face. You know, you are dying. And everybody in America, so many millions are being spent. Oh, what was the, the guy I saw that inspired was Joan Rivers. We were going through TV. I just love, you know, just inspiration. Uh, not really. Uh, that face, if they do any more lifting, there won't be any skin. <laughs> Doing everything to stay young looking. Pay a lot of money. And may make you look younger. It doesn't make you look better. And you're still going to die the appointed day. And you may die with a wheat muffin in your mouth. But you will die the day God wants you to. It's appointed to man to die, right? So physical death, and when you think of Adam and Eve, the the day they ate of the uh, tree, they died that day spiritually. 900 years plus later, they died physically. But death began to work in them, began to die. And so when he says, you will not die, I understand this to be that, yes, physically, I may die, but death for the believer has been transformed because of eternal life. He who has eternal life immediately steps out of temporal existence and immediately begins to enjoy the benefits of eternal life. And you've been enjoying it the moment you got saved. It's in you, but one of the great benefits... I live for Christ to die, I gain, uh, I leave the body, I'm with Christ. It, death has been forever changed for the believer. Hebrews chapter 2, Satan no longer has power in the realm of death, where he used to, through fear, torture the people of God. But he said Christ has eliminated his power, so that now the cemetery's been lit up, and there, death doesn't set in. We transfer. It's, so our appointment is not physically. You know, when you get a little bit older, the thought of dying doesn't bother you too bad. If I just know I'm going to drop the temporal, the limited, uh, the temporary, and boom, I'm going to just step right into the present. Is that true theology biblically? It, it seems that we go immediately to heaven, I'm not in a holding chamber. I go immediately into heaven. And so dying is not too bad. I was terrified at the thought of dying before I became a Christian. I never knew I'd be at so many funerals. But I was terrified at the thought of dying because I had the wrong street address I was going to. But when I got the right address, I'm not too, I'm not too depressed about leaving this world and going to my permanent home. It doesn't depress me. Well, uh, how do you get this bread? If it can do all this for you, how do you get it? Um, Number one, verse 29 says you can't work for it. You've got to put faith in Christ. You can't earn it. He said, don't be working for that which will perish. Why don't you get that which will last. And they said, what can we do? Well, we want to sign up for a works program. He said, this is the work of God that you believe on me. Can you believe in Christ? Listen to me. Are you willing to trust Christ that he is the meal that can quench the thirst and the hunger of your heart? That's the issue. See, many of the ones that are amening have already done it. They know. They know he satisfies. But you may be here 
And you may be hungry, lonely, depressed, feel guilt, shame, all the emotions that us sinners feel about our, our lives, our choices. Uh, it's a horrendous thing to feel good about yourself and be a good sinner. We make so many wrong choices. We've inherited so much sin from our families. Your family may be all dysfunctional, divorce, fighting, confusion. Your peers may be all strung out. Who knows where you are in the uh, continuum of being a good sinner in a bad world. But Christ said, believe in me. You don't have to work to get this bread. If you'll put your faith in me, look to me. I'm in your midst. Believe in me. I'll give it to you freely. I won't make you work for it. Oh, that's good news. Oh, that's good news. I will not work my soul to say for that my Lord has done, but I'll work like any slave for the sake of love for God's dear Son. But I will not work my soul to say Nothing in my hand to thee I bring. Simply, simply to thy cross I cling. My own works are filthy rags. There's not one thing I could cough up to impress God enough to take me to heaven. My only claim is I trust him you gave and who was slain. He's my only righteous. I love it, saints, hear me. I don't have to play like I'm the most righteous man in town. I just say I'm the most forgiven man in town. I'm going to heaven because I'm forgiven, not because I'm the best, not because I'm the epitome of anything. I'm trusting him whose righteousness has been imputed. And Luther said, it's an alien righteousness. It was not even my own. It came from another and imputed by faith. You that are listening ought to get happy. You that are texting, may God strike you with lightning. Uh, you believe on this, you'll never die. Uh, and I, I love this. Um, you have to say, Lord Jesus, to come and offer such a meal. Uh, you know, preaching, I had a precious note from a sister uh, that encouraged me to keep preaching that, you know, when 95%, I mentioned 95% of what I say, you won't know in a week. So sometimes I ask in the study, why prepare? If I got up and just uh, downloaded an outline from a computer and rattled 30 minutes, most of you wouldn't care. Oh, you couldn't get the... Uh, uh, but the black preacher said, you need to add the arousements. You like the arousements. But you wouldn't know what I said. Most of you. 95% of you. I think something else. I can never say, I don't know, in 50 years of preaching, I couldn't say a thousand people were ever led to Christ by me. No, I couldn't say that. Maybe I'm just an idiot that I like to hear myself talk. But I tried to evangelize for seven years, and uh, after a while, you get tired of making your wife answer the altar call every night. <laughs> you know, you just say, honey, you got to come. We got to look good. Then I finally talked the pastor's wife into coming. It just didn't look good every night. And I said, no, that's not me. And I think of God the Son. 
He's going to lose his audience at the end of this sermon. Everybody's going to go away. And he asked Peter, are you two going to leave me? Who eats the bread? Who wants the bread? I just point you to verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So number one, nobody comes to this bread but what the Father doesn't get involved and say, son, I want to give you this person as a follower of yours. The Father gives them. Uh, And then he goes down and he says something in verse 44 that is sure, uh, I don't know if you like it or not, it's a stunning verse. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. He says I will raise him up about four times. I'm going to resurrect you. I'm going to resurrect you. There's a future resurrection. But he says right here, and by the way, as he's talking to his audience, that he knows they're not getting it. They're going to walk away from him. They get mad while they're listening because he said eat his flesh and blood. He said he's from heaven. They don't like it. They're mad. Whoever said preaching wasn't to be controversial? It was when Christ preached. And then he says, by the way, none of you are going to come to me anyway unless the Father draws you. I can't preach good enough to draw you. I'm not good enough. I'm the Son of God, the perfect God-man, and I can't even get you saved if my Father doesn't draw you. What's this drawing? Well, it's an interesting word. The word raw, to draw here, was to always overcome resistance. It was used uh, in Greek of drawing a sword out of the scabbard. It was used in John of drawing in the net full of fishes. So you're overcoming the weight of the fish and you're drawing it in. It's used in James that rich men like to drag poor men into court. It was used in Acts 21 of dragging Paul and Silas into prison and jail. They just drug them in, overcome all resistance. And what he says here is no one less than the Father overcame our resistance to Jesus. Only the Father was able to make you see you need to come to my son. The Father was involved in overcoming your stubborn, depraved will, your blindness. Sure, he incorporated the Spirit, the Word, preaching many means. But Jesus said, no one's going to come to me that my Father doesn't personally get involved with giving them and drawing them. I, I don't hear the language in our circles. Conservatives don't talk about it. But Carol and I sometimes, because, you know, we've been Christians forever. Sometimes I'll ask her, I said, uh, we'll get to talking. What do you miss about church a lot of time? What do you miss? And she uses this kind of language. I miss Holy Ghost conviction, where he woos you, where he woos you, where he draws you, where he overcomes your resistance. He overcomes your stubbornness. You keep saying, I got to sleep with this girl. That's the only thing that satisfies. And all of a sudden in a meeting, he overcame your resistance and broke you down and said, you know you're not satisfied. 
You know guilt and shame is your constant companion. Why don't you come? Why? Don't you ever ask, why didn't they come sooner? Why didn't they come sooner? You don't come any sooner than the drawing power of God. That's why we ought to be worried more about praying than preaching. Pray, oh Lord, convict them. Draw, draw them. Oh, the patience of God to draw you. My own brother was so broken, just in his 20s, but broken relationships, broken heart. Oh, the night God broke him down. The night you, my brother, nine years old, my sister Hazel said, she went to mama. She said, I, what happened to Paul? And my mama said, God saved him in Niles Canyon as a nine-year-old boy. What drew my old daddy behind a team of mules in the Grand River bottoms of Cherokee County, Oklahoma, and he's plowing that morning. I asked him, when you, did you start working? He said, when I knew the difference between the front end and the back end of a mule, and that was five. The eldest of ten kids, and he's plowing that morning, he says. And he came to the corner, and the elder sprouts were there. And he said, in a cornfield in a river bottom, God went after a nine-year-old boy that had been at a brush arbor the night before where they sang, Where shall I be? Where shall I be? When the last trumpet sounds, when it sounds so loud as to wake up the dead, oh, where shall I be? And he said, as I plowed that morning, from early in the morning, I kept talking to him all day, saying, where will I be? I'm going to be lost. I'm going to be lost. I want to be lost. And I stopped in that corner, and he quote my dad, that's where Jesus revealed himself to me. Friend, what did it take for God to draw you? When God draws you, that tugging, what gets me is the patience of God, the love of God, to think that a little 95-year-old punk of a kid and myself could resist omnipotence. He said, oh, I'm just letting you resist until I decide I'm going to bring you in. And I brought you in at the appointed time. And you may be here and what you feel that you haven't felt around religion and what you haven't felt around this or that is the tug of omnipotence saying, come to my son. Come to the feast that will quench your thirst and your hunger for eternity. For when I was on the cross, I bore your hunger. I bore your thirst. When I screamed, I thirst. I'm thirsty for the living God. I don't want the vinegar. I don't want the gall. I don't want to drink from a Roman soldier. I want fellowship with God and that I'm experiencing the abandonment of God as if I were in hell. And in hell, men will say, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. And friend, I'm here to say, our whole problem started in the garden where we ate the wrong thing. I'm calling you, why don't you come to the tree of life that was nailed up outside the city dump of Jerusalem and our Savior, the bread from heaven, was crucified and bled for you that he might feed you eternally. This is the feast that will quench your hunger forever. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus.
May He draw you. Well, as we come to the close of our time today, here on Truth For Today, we would leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to reach out to us. Maybe you have a question about today's program, a question about your own relationship with Christ. Maybe you'd like to review today's message or any past message here on Truth For Today. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org online or call. The phone number is 855 833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And one other thought to consider as we conclude our time together today, we know that the challenging times we live in make for rather challenging growth opportunities in Christ. And if this broadcast is helping you in your walk and relationship with Christ, would you consider partnering with us financially and prayerfully? Again, these are very challenging times since ministries all over the world are actually suffering, and they are being challenged as to how to continue ministering the gospel of Christ. And truth for today is no different. If you consider this broadcast a blessing to you, would you consider being a blessing to us? 100% of your donation is tax deductible, and it goes right back into the radio ministry, whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift small or large, it all makes a huge difference. And your prayers and requests to the Lord about the continuation of Truth For Today are even more appreciated. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org or, again, call 855-833-9864. Or you can write out a check and address your envelope to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today. Today.